works very hard on, on fitness and um, and the running game. That's what kind of led me to, to want this dream of being a, a racing driver. There's no point in Tom and anything except standards of excellence. We will deal with the Talton Cup if we're in it and we'll, we'll certainly give it every bit of respect. There's no feeling that beats playing for Ireland. My God, I'm going to do everything that is possible to bring us there. This is Sports Beat Extra. Good evening and welcome along to Sportsbeat Extra. I'm Andy and here's what's coming up on today's show. Shortly, we have a great interview with Andrew Fanning about the creation of the Craig Breen Foundation. The Waterford Rally star tragically lost his life back in April, but the new foundation will seek to continue Craig's legacy and bring support and funding to the young, aspiring drivers of Ireland. But before that, we take a look at the Premier League season so far through the eyes of the Southeast fans at ground level ahead of the hectic December schedule. Tracking sport across the southeast. Sports beat extra. So keen, eight wins, four draws, and just one defeat for Liverpool so far. What have you made of the season up till now? You would ask me in August what I take it at the moment. I absolutely would have, yeah. And of course, that defeat was a very controversial one against Spurs. What have you made of VAR? Not just this season, but I suppose over the last couple of years since it's come in. I'm not a fan of VAR now whatsoever. No, like it's it. You know, it works the majority of the time. But the problem is that when it's in, people expect perfection, and any sort of small mistake, it's just it it's blown up massively compared to what it used to. Um, it's I I don't know I, I don't agree with. It. I'd rather watch championship to be honest. Yeah, it it baffled me really. I mean, as a Spurs fan, I was obviously delighted to to get the three <laughs> points that day, but. Not not just one or two kind of questionable decisions in that game, but but so many. It just it yeah, makes no sense, absolutely. really, as, as you say, when you've got the the option to look at replays, how it can still be so far off the mark. Not just that but day, sure, but like, every week. Me and you sitting there are able to are able to tell there's issues, you know, and these lads, um, who are trained professionals are making mistakes. It just it just doesn't make sense. No, it certainly doesn't. Uh, Mo Salah obviously looks to be really back to his best. He's got 13 goals so far this year. How important is he going to be for Liverpool? Ah, huge. You've seen him over the last few years. He's massively underrated in my eyes. Um, I think he, he's just critiqued constantly, called a diver or whatever, but um, I think he's, 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 he's definitely Liverpool's most important player, not this year, but over the last few years. Ever since Van Dijk, well, Van Dijk that year, the year before he'd done his cruise shit, um, he would have been in my opinion the most important player but Salah's definitely taking the reins on that yeah he really is flying and you mentioned Van Dijk there he's kind of maybe this season starting to come back to the player he was as you mentioned before the cruciate how important will he be in that defence because you're looking kind of solid across the board and tightening up that back four has been really important she see as you said like you saw we were like prior to Van Dijk um, an absolute shambles at the back. Like you look at the, it's not just what he brings; it's the influence he brings to the players around him. Um, like Matip looks like an absolute baller when he's beside Van Dijk and by himself, he's can be fairly up and down, you know. Um, so yeah, he's massively important. He saw him against Ireland there as well. I know, like he wasn't up against any sort of strong opposition, but geez, he was by far the best player on the pitch. Like, hundred percent. And I mean, at this stage last season. You know, Liverpool, they only had 19 points and they were sitting down in eight. So, obviously, Van Dijk is back, Salah is flying, but Spazile and McAllister in midfield has really brought something extra to Liverpool as well, hasn't it? Oh, huge, yeah. Sure, you saw, I can't pronounce the second name now, but I just call him Dom. Um, yeah, he's he, he's, he's, he's massive. Like, yeah, people are comparing Pajara already. He's only there a couple of months. He's only young as well, isn't he? 
Yeah, young yeah, 20s, early twenties. Yeah, early twenties. Sorry. Yeah, no, he's he seems he seems to be the real deal to be honest. And like you saw, our midfield come towards the end of last year. Like you know, we we've shipped out Miller, uh, Fabinho, and uh, Henderson. Like you know, obviously done it for Liverpool for years, but um, we're absolutely coming to the end of it. And absolutely. right time to get rid of them. Yeah, it do looking much much fresher. Uh, just looking then, I suppose you know we always talk about in the Premier League this December run, the, the manic kind of set up over Christmas. We'll kind of break it into two parts, I suppose. The first three games of December, Liverpool at home to Fulham, away to Sheffield United, and away to Palace. Probably be hoping for for a full clean sweep of points there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you'd expect that looking at the names, but I think are they not like three games in the space of six days or something or seven days or something mad like that yeah. they're all on top of each other the third the sixth um, and the ninth yeah and then to Palace I just see there's a half twelve kickoff, and as I say never back to the half twelve to kick off so <laughs> I'd obviously looking at it like I'd say nine points but um, you, you just don't know do you no absolutely I suppose it, it Liverpool will be looking at it in maybe the same way that we are you, if you can get those nine points it takes a little bit of the pressure off because you've then got a home to United, a home to Arsenal, away to Burnley, and a home to Newcastle, all in the space of a couple of weeks. That's a tough run for any team. Oh, absolutely, yeah. But you know, we saw United was United at home last year. That's seven nil, and then you know, Arsenal at home as well. Like I'm looking at boys, I I I'd expect six points between the two of those. Burnley away is always tough to go, but they're like they're not really fine this year. Got four points there, so yeah, you'd expect three points there as well. Um, and Newcastle are, are, I think Newcastle are brilliant as well. So I, I don't know about that one. And I suppose with Liverpool, you know, we we mentioned the new recruits and that. But how how much of a, a squad depth do they have? You look at how well Spurs were going early on in the season, and then that implosion against Chelsea there a, a couple of Mondays ago. You lose three, four players, and all of a sudden, you know, you're kind of back back scraping the barrel again. Do Liverpool have the squad this year to keep going? Yeah, I think so. Like especially in, in the top three or front three or whatever. So you have who do you have Nunes, Diaz, Jota, Salah. Like you know, you, you have Pickens there in midfield as well with um, uh, Endo coming in. Definitely a better squad depth than what they had a couple of years ago. You know, you know what injuries can do, and when they come, they tend to come in waves. So you'd hope so. And then I suppose, obviously. At this stage already, it's looking like Arsenal and City are, are going to kind of keep keep pace up at the top of the table. What do you make of the, their start to the season and do you reckon they'll be there, thereabouts at the end again? Yeah, I think so. Like, you can't write, you know, City or City. They've been there for the last many years always. Like, push Liverpool to the end most times. Or Liverpool push them to the end, I suppose. Arsenal, I didn't think Arsenal would come back this year the same way they did last year. Um, but they seem to be doing the right things there. Uh, compared to a couple of years ago, and everyone completely wrote, wrote them off. Um, so, yeah, no, yeah, I'd say they'll be there and thereabouts come the end of the season. Um, like the Spurs, I'm massive, massive fan of Ange, but the injuries seem to have destroyed their hopes at the moment. Anyway, um, Ange Ball was it, and I don't, it doesn't seem to be it. The last was it to the two losses in a row, coming into three losses in a row. Yeah, and C- um, City to come then on Sunday. So, yeah. But you wouldn't know. You wouldn't know. They might pull it out of the bag. But yeah, it looks like it looks like Arsenal, City, definitely Liverpool. I'd say, and then I'd like to see Spurs push on and drive or get up there with with those uh, three as well, just for my my love of fans. <laughs> Finally, then, Keen, can Liverpool push for the title? What's your final prediction? Where are they going to end up? 
yeah, I think they'll be there and thereabouts come the end of the end of the season. But I, I don't know. I'd I'd like to see Arsenal drop off, and I'd li- I'd like to see. I'd like to see City and Liverpool driving towards the end again. I don't think City will be pipped again. Um, I I can I can just see them taking taking the reins and, and just driving on for the rest of the year. So I'd like I'd say second. I'd see Liverpool, Arsenal third, City first. Five counties, one big sports show. Sports beat extra. So Joe, looking at United then, eight wins and five losses so far, sixteen goals scored and sixteen conceded. What have you made of the start of the season? Uh well Andy, that's that you just gave there, that sixteen goals, sixteen sixteen conceded, sixteen scores, kind of fairly vanilla so far. I mean there's been some some really good performances or we'll say halves so far, but on the whole, uh, it's pretty disappointing considering how much how much goodwill they built up last year. Absolutely. It's it's almost kind of been bizarre over the last month because you know you're the most informed team, say, over the last five or six games. And yet, as you say, they haven't kind of inspired anything go, going forward in particular. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what's going on with Marcus Rashford this year. Garnacho seems to be stepping up, in fairness to him, the last two or three weeks. Hoyland, I think, will come good. It's just a matter of when. But I, I, I think, I think he will. He's, he's shown, he's shown promising signs. But um, yeah, I think the attack is not really working, like like you said. But that that defense is creaking all the time, especially uh, like I don't, I can't remember a keeper coming in with as much much hype. And a profile like that, and then being such a letdown on uh, overall. I'm like, I know he has the most, the joint most clean sheets this year in the in the league, but it just goes to show stats. The stats aren't everything; it's the eye test as well. Got to settle back four in front of him. It, it it might turn around after Christmas, but that's probably a lot of hope as well. Absolutely, could be a very important January window for United this year. You mentioned Highland earlier. I mean. He he's had moments, obviously in the Champions League. He's he's scored very well. He's got five goals, making him the joint top scorer in the league for you as well. But is it almost a lack of the traditional winger seems to be doing him a disservice because you've got Rashford on one side, you've got you know maybe Anthony or Ganesh on the other, and they're very much cut in and have a bang myself rather than looking for that central striker. You're you're a similar age to me. Growing up, we are used to seeing wingers get to the end line and cross the ball in. That's that's gone a long time now, and this whole thing of cutting back in for your own shot. Salah's after perfecting that. In fairness to him, the, the, the one person that I think annoys me and most Man United fans is Anthony. I mean, I think I think there's a lot of lads Sunday league that actually do a job on Anthony now. To be honest with you, because he just he, he he'll he'll do a step over, do something foolish. Try cut back on his left foot, and you just have him every time. Whereas at least with Rashford, when he's when he's flying, and with Garnacho for the most part, they're looking to get at you, and they're looking to run in behind or do something to to stretch defenses. Hundred percent. I mean, as we mentioned with with Highland and Bruno at the top of the pile of scorers, the next two then are Casemiro and McTominay. You know, traditional defensive midfielders. So that area at, uh, out wide and, and going forward in the front three, do you reckon United will look to maybe change that up in January or is it a case of maybe this season it's it's going to stick? I, I, I think the the whole takeover Jim Radcliffe thing will probably have a lot to do with that. I I think Co- uh, Kobe Manu coming back in is probably going to be 
a, a big thing. I know a, a lot of Man United fans are really excited to see what he's going to what he's going to bring to the team. And in the game against Everton, he was he was he was the man of the match. I know Garnacho got with 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 the Sky Sports broadcast, but I think everyone's in agrees that Kobe Menu was the best player on the day. And even when he came on. I know we're talking about Premier League, but even when he came on the other evening against Galatasaray, he just looked so calm and so composed on the ball. So I, I don't think I don't think midfield is going to change, or I don't think the the team in general is going to change because of what's going on with the takeover. And I suppose, as we said, it's it's kind of almost baffling. It's been such a, a poor season in terms of form, and you know, fans like yourself are not pleased with kind of how things are going and yet still in sixth place you know only six points off the top if things could click at all do you reckon United could maybe push for that top four again yeah absolutely I think there's definitely enough enough talent in the squad to get a top four place it's just the fact of you know you see Villa Villa flying at the minute and Spurs were flying in in fifth place like and I know Spurs were a really nice team to watch, actually, and it's just the fact of a couple of injuries here and there have kind of put them put them down the table a bit from where they were. But definitely, I think United can can challenge for top four. I mean, this weekend is this weekend is uh, probably a good litmus test as well away to Newcastle, who are just the two points behind them. Like, if they can get a win there, and, and it's always been a it's been a bogey ground now since Ten Hag has come in that Newcastle that Newcastle game. Have a quick look then at the fixtures for December. The the traditional madness at Christmas. You were away to Newcastle, then followed by a home to Chelsea and a home to Bournemouth, all in the space of a week. How many points could you realistically see United taking from those three? A, ho- a hopeful United fan would probably say anywhere from six to nine full points. But I think the form they're in now, you'd be looking to get a win at bo- a home to Bournemouth, Chelsea and Newcastle. Newcastle away. Newcastle could do a job on United realistically the way they're going at the minute they seem to just they seem to work harder than most teams and especially in that League Cup game where Newcastle put out their second team they just ran right against United Chelsea Chelsea are like United this year just a poor man's version of United this year they're just so poor um, but United at home yeah maybe six points out of nine in those three games and it doesn't get any easier then after that it's away to Liverpool away to West Ham a home to an informed Villa and then away to Nottingham Forest, you know all those home games for United are going to be crucial, really, aren't they? Yeah, it's it's the it's the home games that are going to try and keep us within touching distance of that top four. But that Liverpool game, I'm fearful for that Liverpool game again this year, because I they are going very well this year again. Like Klopp seems to have them taken once again. But gun to me head, it's hard to see past City doing four in a row. I know it's never been done, but. They're breaking all the all the records. Tracking sport across the southeast. And it promises to be an intriguing month of Premier League action. Now it's time for something closer to home. Back in April, Waterford Rally star Craig Breen tragically lost his life in a testing accident. The newly founded Craig Breen Foundation seeks to continue Craig's legacy and bring support to Ireland's young aspiring drivers. I'm delighted to be joined by Andrew Fanning to talk all about it. So, Andrew, I suppose, just to go right back to the start, how did you get into the rallying scene yourself? Oh, God, I'm, I'm in the rallying scene with about 30 years now at this stage. I think following Donny Keaton around the place um, started me off, so that goes back a long, long time. So I, I've been at it uh, a good few years at this stage. You're well-seasoned. So, and, and where did you first well come seasoned. across Craig? 
Uh, that, yeah, I came across Craig a good few years ago, but more so lately, uh, obviously, back in his S2000 days and even the R2 days back here when he was in a fiesta. More, more so lately in the last four to five years probably would be what I'd say is like from 2016 on basically um, I would have become uh, very close to Craig and his rallying. Do you know what I mean? From going around, I would have started out going around following Craig and WRC in fairness with his um, manager at the time, James Coleman. And then we just continued on from there and went to a lot of his WRC rounds with him. And I suppose then the, the reason that we're, we're having the chat today, we had you heard this morning from yourselves that you've launched the Craig Breen Foundation. So tell me exactly, Andrew, how, how did that come about? That came about from a quick text message, believe it or not, initially um, going back uh, to last year, I was at a rallies committee meeting and John Quill, who would be the J1000 Forestry Series coordinator, he had mentioned that they were going doing a test day, a tuition day in Tina uh, racetrack with the Motorsport Island Academy. So I just said to John, I said, Jesus, it would be great uh, for the young people if we could get Craig to go. Wouldn't it be great if he was around? I'm sure he would go. So... I sent him a message that night and I told him the date, the 11th of April, and he texted me back, no bother, with a thumbs up. So obviously I said to myself, I'll ring him tomorrow now and, you know, sort out exactly what we're talking about. So the following morning, um, seven o'clock, my phone rang and it was Craig. And he said, uh, he just said to me, Andy, I was thinking about that text you sent me last night in the J1000s. He said, I'd like to do some more for them. And I said, right, not not totally understanding what he meant. And he said, yeah, I'd like to um, set up a prize fund or something like that. He said, listen, he said, I'm after getting so much out of Irish rallying and the people working in it. He said, I want to give something back. He said, now is an opportunity to do that. So I said, geez, that's great, Craig. So to be fair, uh, we we talked over the phone and we set up, we, we decided what he'd do and I spoke to John Quill again, obviously, and he was delighted with the news of that. So um, so that's where that part of it started. Do you know what I mean? It was absolutely Craig's idea. He came back and wanted to fund this and set up a prize fund for, you know, this the, the, first, found, the first step of the ladder if you call it that, for rallying, which is, you know, 14 years of age, they can get into a rally car. So he was um, he was delighted to be able to do that. He was always, you know, passionate about bringing lads who are maybe looking to get into rallying through from, from the grassroots level. And that, that obviously, you know, it's part of the, the legacy you're trying to continue then with the foundation. Oh, yeah, well, absolutely. Because the thing about his Irish rally, and he was so close to it, like no matter even we'd be on around the WRC that he may be doing, and he'd have the phone out, and he, if there was a rally on at home, like he's checking the results and who's where, and you know he was watching every single thing that happened back here. Um, so you know he kept very close to Irish rallying. So he found this, he, he saw this as an opportunity to be able to help out, um, which he took on himself, and and this is how we started this. Um, his funding of the J1000. And in fairness, he came to Tina that day and had a great day. And I think they were all delighted to see him and he spoke to them all. And that part of it was brilliant. And obviously two days later, we all know what happened, um, which we'll never forget. You know, after that, we decided that we would try to set a Craig Green Foundation that we could continue his idea to fund the youth that he wanted to do and keep his memory alive in that way absolutely i mean you know there was such an overwhelming outpouring of condolences when when craig passed 
and I suppose people even even today since the news broke there's been a great response online to to the news that the Craig Breen Foundation is being set up does that obviously mean a lot then to yourselves who are involved in, in getting it going as well Oh, of course, yes, yeah. The, the the amount of messages and stuff, there's been a great um, response to it, in fairness, and the amount of messages and people that are willing to help out in any way that they can has been unbelievable, to be fair. Um, I think they all know what, you know, what the youth meant to Craig and what the J1000s and his support, so they're absolutely, the amount of messages to all of us um, to help out has been unbelievable, really. You know, and like, I must say that there's just, you know, obviously there's myself and, and Craig's dad and Andy Hayes involved in, in sorting this out. But, like, there's been an awful lot of more help in the background, to be fair, of lads very close to Craig, you know, um, that are, are, are on board to help out in any way they can. Fantastic. And what is the main aim, then, of the foundation? So, The aim of the foundation, I suppose, to be fair... Um, is to you know obviously we we'll keep Craig Breen's name uh you know to the forefront I like we won't ever forget him but you know the thing about it is that we just want to keep his idea alive uh, in funding the J1000s and the youth of today um and to like give the put them on the first step of the ladder for their rallying career if you know what I mean um so that is our you know uh, aim for over the next five years to be able to do that so hopefully um that that is the plan so before uh, craig passed away obviously earlier this year he you know he had spoken as, as i'm sure plenty of you have about maybe the possibility of the the wrc coming back to ireland how amazing would that be i mean it's it's been a long time now since 2009 Oh my God, that would be absolutely amazing. Um, in fairness, there's a lot of people putting in a lot of hard work to try and make it happen in most sport Ireland circles from, you know, from Aidan Harper to James Coleman to lots of people are putting in a lot of work to try and make it happen. So hopefully it would be brilliant uh, for the possibility of it happening in 2025, which again would be unbelievable and brilliant to see. For sure. And I suppose, Andy, then, what would you say maybe to any young young drivers that are out there that are thinking of maybe getting involved in the rally scene? Yeah, for any young driver that's um, interested at all in rallying to try get involved in this J1000, it's a, it's a great age. Um, now, I suppose it's more the parents need to get involved than the, the, than the young fella but, or the young girl. Um, but they can start at 14 years of age in the forestry series, which is brilliant because what you do is you have... Um, uh, uh, experienced um, driver beside you uh, or navigator that can drive the road sections so they're able to drive in the wood from 14 to 17 years of age when they're not able to drive on the public road you know so it's a great opportunity for them to be able to start off at that age it had, wasn't there before so you know I would say to anyone that has any interest in it it is definitely the way to go we have to say thanks to uh, the Hyundai Motorsports and Sports and You who have been, you know, Hyundai Motorsport have been unbelievable to us since obviously the accident has happened and have been great to the family and are behind us 100% on this. And I'd also say, like to say thanks to Sports and You and Hyundai Portugal and Hyundai Spain um, because there's a, there's a prize in that which involves um, your, uh, what you call it, um, Sir Pedro Fontes who has put up a prize to be able to drive a car in a round of uh, the Spanish Championship. So so, you know, it's a great, it, there's great thanks due to them. Um, Motorsport Ireland as well have been, you know, behind us in this and helping us out in every way. 
So I suppose our plan going forward would be, you know, if there's any companies out there, you know, that would like to get involved in this with these guys, um, you know, what we're looking at is something, you know, like a five-year um, plan so that, you know, that you'd have a commitment over five years. So if there's anyone out there that would like to get involved with us, would be great to hear from them. Five counties, one big sports show. Sports Beat Extra. And we wish everyone involved with the Craig Breen Foundation the very best of luck. Now, there's just time for sport on screen on Sunday. St. Bridget's versus Carfin in the Connacht football final is on TG Cahar from 1pm and is followed by Waterford's Ballygunner taking on Clonlara in the Munster Senior Hurling final. On RTE1 there's live racing with coverage of the 2023 Fairy House Winter Festival Day 2 from 10 past 1. Live snooker continues on BBC2 with coverage of the UK Championship final from 1pm. Sky Sports Super Sunday sees West Ham host Crystal Palace at 2pm and then the big clash between Man City and Spurs gets underway at 4.30. Celtic also have a game on Sky that's at 12pm in the early kickoff. Leverkusen vs Dortmund is on at 4.30 on Sky Sports Football with BT Sport showing Napoli vs Inter Milan in Serie A action from 7.45pm. That's all we've got time for on this week's Sports Beat Extra. I'm Andy, thanks so much for joining me. And Beat Anthems is coming your way next.